Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Built for a Purpose podcast. I am your host, Jeff Vanderwall. Today's a great day. We got an awesome guest today. I'm excited to introduce you to uh, Butch Hartman. Um, he has become a friend of mine. We met through um, uh, some ministry circles. And uh, it's kind of funny how we actually uh, met. Well, it's funny to me. I don't know that Butch knows that it's funny yet, but um, I'll be able to explain all that. Um, today's going to be a unique day because Butch um, comes from a di totally different place. I mean, he's um, he's in uh, the entertainment world. Um, he's in Hollywood, California. And so for a lot of us, you know, we have we have questions and we think about, you know, the entertainment industry and, and what God's doing there and, and how it impacts our lives, our family. And so to be able to talk to Butch about what God's doing in his life and how that came to be is, is going to be an awesome podcast. So buckle up and come with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, without further ado, uh, Bush, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Well, Jeff, thanks so much. It's uh, my my pleasure. And, uh, you know, I want to hear the funny way we met. I mean, I I, I think I know how we met, but uh, if there's a funnier version of it, that'd be great because it would, it would make me a lot more popular. Well, I don't know about that, but so we're you and I got sat next to each other at an event. And I didn't know really who, I mean, we, I kind of, I'm passing, I kind of knew, right. But I didn't, I didn't, you and I hadn't had a lot of conversation at this point. So I don't know if I've shared this with you or not, but we're sitting there next to each other and I'm listening to this amazing teaching and I'm like looking down and I'm like, you're drawing like the most, like, I keep, I keep looking down at like what you're drawing and you're drawing this super elaborate thing. And I'm like, what is this? And I, so I'm like trying to pay attention, but I keep looking down and I'm like, this dude's going to catch me looking at what he's doing. But obviously I put two and two together. Obviously I figured out you're an artist. And, uh, and then you and I ended up chatting after that. Uh, Julianne was there, your wife, and uh, we get, we started a, our, our con just a conversation, and then uh, talked to you at several of these uh, events, and so we ended up getting to kind of stoking up a, a relationship or a friendship that way. But that's how it happened. Did I ever even mention how how that wasn't even how odd? Might be the wrong way to put it, but it was just shocking. <laughs> no, you didn't mention that. And I have to apologize to whoever was speaking that day. I was listening. I find that when I, it's interesting, my whole life, and my, I used to get, you know, yelled at by my teachers in school whenever I draw, I'm still listening. I can repeat every word you've just said, but it just helps me like listen when I draw. I'm not bored. I'm just having like, you know, fun doing some drawings. I, I love to draw, you know, all the time. So if there's a piece of paper and a pencil and someone is talking and I've got access to something to draw with, I'll probably just start doodling. Ask any artist, by the way, anybody who works in the industry, they'll always do the same thing. I'm not the only one. However, um, I, I, you know, it's, it's something I'm definitely guilty of. So no disrespect if I've ever been in a room with you and you've been talking and I'm drawing, I am listening. I'm not drawing right now. I, I, I could draw right now. I could put, I could start drawing as we speak and I could, uh, you know, and I could show you at the end of the podcast. I won't do that though. I'm not going to do that. No, I, I think it's, I, I figured as much and I, it was, it was more, it wasn't even a distraction for me. I was just kind of amazed, but so I, I got to ask you, cause I'm starting to think about, you know, as we've had days before, um, this, this podcast and, and really, um, you know, I know you in a, in a capacity that a lot of people don't just because, um, you know, I, I really didn't have any idea what your background was. Um, you were just, uh, you know, a guy that was at a, a ministry thing and I watched you, you know, praying over people and being a part of the ministry. And then of course I heard, uh, Julianne's, um, testimony and so I was like, man, this is awesome. And then I've over, over time, I've heard more about what you've done. And I still don't really think I've really fully understood um, 
really what what you've been able to accomplish um, in your career, and it's really amazing. And so I'm, I want to I want to give you an opportunity to talk some about the, about some of that stuff because it falls so much in line with being built for a purpose and and what we do here on this podcast. And so again, I appreciate you coming on. I'd love to jump in when you talk about being a kid drawing. Obviously, one of my first questions was how did how did you know that being an artist is where you were going to go and how that was going to um, play out? Did you know that even as a kid, like this is just what I do, or is that something that was encouraged? How did your journey even begin with your natural ability? Yeah, good, uh, good question. I get asked that question all the time. And uh, I grew up in Michigan. That's where I was born. I was born in Highland Park, Michigan, which is near Detroit. And um, I was born there and my dad worked in the auto industry. My parents, uh, my mom and dad in the mid 60s when I was born, that was an actual time period, the mid 60s. People were born back then, hard to believe. But um I uh, grew up in an era where I loved watching TV. Uh, all my other friends played sports. They wanted to be outside. I did not. I'm one of those weird kids. I wanted to be inside. I wanted to keep watching TV. I wanted to watch. And there again, this is, if you can imagine this, you probably can, Jeff, but most people listening probably can't. No internet, no VCR, no computers, nothing. All you had was the TV and whatever was on. So I would sit and watch TV uh, because I love things like, you know, Bugs Bunny. I love the Bugs Bunny show. I loved Saturday morning cartoons. I loved Hanna-Barbera cartoons, the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, Super Friends, all that stuff. And then um, I also loved watching movies on, you know, TV movies. I like, you know, as far as TV movies, like I mean, Wizard of Oz on TV, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, all those things I loved. And um, I was, and I would draw but I never really, no one really paid attention to it until one day I'm in kindergarten. Now I'm five years old and I draw, and our teacher said, I want all the kids in the class to do a drawing of me and we'll put, you know, we'll see who does the best one. So I, I remember just drawing something, didn't even think twice about it, moved it aside, do, did something else. And my teacher comes over and starts raving about my drawing. Oh my gosh. Like, stop the class, made a huge deal of it. And I'm going, what's the deal? She and she goes down the hall to get the other teachers. You got to see this drawing. And so then she put it up on the wall. It was the best one. And I remember my little brain thinking, boy, I can get attention from adults with this drawing thing, right? And you're five. You want attention. You want to just, you know, be the most popular kid with amongst the adults, I guess. So I just started doing it more. And then I realized that I really liked it. And I started learning. I would watch like, uh, you know, again, I'd watch TV. I'd watch the Flintstones or whatever. And back in those days, you couldn't stop the Tim. You couldn't stop the image. I just watched TV until it went to a commercial or whatever. And I would sit there with my drawing pad and try and draw Fred Flintstone as fast as I could or Bugs Bunny as fast as I could. Or I'd get comic books. I was a huge comic fan. I still am. You see all my comic book drawings behind me right here that I've done. Um, I wanted to be a comic artist for many, many years. Um, and then as I grew up, I found other nerd kids who like to draw like me. And then like in the, the late 70s, early 80s, this time, you know, I'm getting through high school. And uh, I found out that there was this college called Cal Arts, California Institute of the Arts, which is in California. Always wanted to go to California. I grew up in the snow. I wanted to go where it was sunny. So I thought if I can go to school in California for animation, that'd be great. So I worked really hard. I, had, I knew I had to work on my portfolio to get into the school. So I determined very quickly, I got to work in this portfolio. I'm in the middle of my senior year. And they really wanted a lot of life drawing, which means a lot of human figures, a lot of animal figures, things like that. So to draw animals, there was only one place to go in Detroit. It was the Detroit Zoo. So uh, in the middle of winter, I would go to the zoo because it was free to get into the zoo. They didn't charge you to get into the zoo. Anymore. 
So I'd be like one of the only two people in the zoo with my big winter coat. And I'd be drawing the tigers, drawing the monkeys, drawing the gorillas or whatever I was drawing just to get my skills down. And at the end of at the end of high school, I submitted my portfolio and I got accepted to CalArts. I went and I ended up going to CalArts and they had a dormitory so I could live there. I graduated in June of 83 and by September of 83, I was in California enrolled in the animation program at CalArts. And it was taught by a bunch of Disney guys, too. So I really learned a lot there. Yeah, did you excel uh, to the point to where you were getting attention even in college? I mean, actually, before I even ask that, you know, it's really jumps out to me, Butch, is, is that, that, that positive reinforcement that you got at five, you know, if it had been the exact opposite, you know, I just wonder if that had changed the trajectory of, of your whole career, but. I guarantee it probably, it probably would. Right. Had I been right, had I been mocked or made fun of or, uh, you know, put down because of it, who knows what I would have done. Um, fortunately, we don't have to go down that road because, you know, uh, it didn't happen that way. But I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd wager, though, um, not that I'm a wagerer, but I believe that we all do have a purpose, that God does have a plan and purpose for our lives. And I do believe that even if I had been uh, not encouraged at that point, I do believe I still would have gone down this road because it's such a burning desire inside of me to entertain through cartoons, animation. And by the way, it's not just the cartoons and animation. I really realized this many years ago once I became older. The animation is a tool, but it's storytelling is what I love. I love telling stories. And whether you tell the story through live action, uh, you know, Western movies, um, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's a, you know, a, com, a rom-com, a horror movie, whatever it is, I'm telling a story, but I'm using animation to do it. And then what does animation provide me? It provides me all kinds of things. I can have characters fly. I can have characters go through walls like Danny Phantom here. I can have characters do anything because it's animated. There's no limitations on it. And so um, I, I truly believe that there is a burning desire inside everybody that they're destined to do something, but a lot of things get in the way. It might be something someone says, absolutely, negatively. Um, but we, you know, we are healed, or we're, uh, what's the Bible say? We're, um, uh, we're delivered because of the, um, though the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's right. So your yeah. testimony is, your testimony is going to be, uh, a huge, huge deal to somebody out there. There was another thing I did when I was a kid. My mom enrolled me in this after-school program where this guy drew. He was an artist, and he was like a Marvel comic artist. He really could do – I don't think he worked for Marvel Comics, but he could draw really well. And that fascinated me. How is that guy doing that so well, and why can't I do it? So I really wanted to learn. But I guarantee there's things out there people want to learn. Maybe it's guitar. Maybe it's piano. Maybe it's um, gymnastics, baseball. I don't know what it is. But there's something in you that God has positioned for you and you alone to do. And a lot of times we are either afraid to do it, don't know how to do it. Uh, we think we don't have the opportunity, but sometimes that has to be created. Sometimes you got to create your own opportunity. Um, you know, I get a lot of people saying, I want to do what you do. I want to be in the animation industry. And I say, where do you live? And they say, Nebraska. And I say, well, great. Um, there's not a lot of animation industry in Nebraska. Maybe you should come to California, Los Angeles. Oh, I could never do that. I'm too afraid. And I go, well, uh, that's hurdle number one is getting over the fear. What did God say to Abraham? Get out of your father's house into a land that I will show you. So Abraham's got a decision to make. I can stay in my father's house where the video games are and the fridge is always full of food. Or I can go where God wants me to go and there will be challenges along the way. But I'm going to grow as a result. I'm going to become 
stronger, better, more powerful. And now my father will have another outpost where I am. You know, if you stay in the one outpost, you're just going to stay there. But you can become a new branch on your family tree by following what you have inside of you, what God's put there. Man, that's really good. And I, and I 100% agree. You know, it, and I think as a parent, too, you look at your kids and you've, you, you sometimes even have preconceived notions of what you think it's going to be or what it should be. And, um, you know, my son, you know, it's funny, my son loves, um, is it stop animation? What is that? Like a claymation kind of, but stop uh, motion claymation. Yeah. So I'll get home and there'll be 50,000 photos on our, our iPad uh, of like his Legos. And then he'll play him really fast as Lego characters do all this stuff. And I've got zero context for that. Cause I'm like, if we were shooting baskets or something or shooting guns, like I could definitely show you a thing or two, but like, I don't know what to do with this, but it, it encourages me to encourage him because even though it's outside of my comfort zone as a dad, I'm like, look, man, if this is what, you know, if this, what's turns his crank, like I need to, I need to be, I need to encourage him in that. And so I think just in that in itself, Butch is a, is a good, I mean, that's a good word. And it's encouragement to parents who maybe don't understand a very artistic or, or a flair in, in their child that just says, Hey man, like we just need to go with this and see where it lands. If you look at your son, the hours and hours it took to sit there and do all that uh, and the patience and the joy he had in doing it really shows you that he's into this. Right. Um, and maybe he'll be into it for a while. Maybe he'll get out of it. Maybe he'll stay in it. Maybe he'll excel. I don't know. That that's that remains to be seen. My father encouraged me. My dad was kind of like you in a way. He didn't know how to encourage me. But if I said, Dad, you know, I need a drawing table. Oh, he would build me one so I could draw on it, you know. And uh, my dad my dad um, really encouraged me a lot. So, uh, but again, he wasn't, a, he wasn't a cartoonist. My dad had some artistic talent. He was a, a carpenter and a wood pattern maker for General Motors, my dad. But um, he didn't do animation like I did. But he, but if I wanted to learn something, he'd take me to the latest Disney feature to watch it. Or he'd back in the day, you couldn't really download anything on your phone. There were no phones, there were no downloads. But mm -hmm. we'd go buy these little reel to reel um, uh, cartridges. They were they, they were little Super Eight films of Disney movies, like clips of like Hundred One Dalmatians or you know Jungle Book. And they were like five six minutes long. You put them in a projector. And you could project them on your wall. And I would freeze the film and I'd put paper up on the wall and I would trace over the characters to learn how to do that. You know, I, and by the way, I had no idea where it was going. It wasn't about money for me. It wasn't about making a living. It was just like, man, this is really cool. I love doing this. How do I do this? I look back now as an adult looking you know, from a 3,000 foot view like, man, God had his hand on my life way before I was even a Christian. I wasn't born, I, I wasn't born into a Christian family. I became a Christian at age 35. I'm 59 now. So I've been a Christian for 24 years. Um, but yeah, my early years, I wasn't a Christian at all. But God has his hand on your life, whether you are acknowledging him or not. Yeah, that's really been my story too. I mean, I, I you know, when I, even when after I got born again, Butch, I, I didn't, I kind of, I was what Greg Moore would call an unbelieving believer for a long time, you know, just kind of uh, stumbling around. But uh, in your case, and I, I would love to ask you, you know, um, just reading through your you know, story just briefly, uh, you got born again in around 2000, correct? Does that sound right? It was the year 2000. It was February of 2000, yeah. So coming up next month is my 24th. I wish I could remember the Sunday. It was one of two Sundays. I forget which Sunday it was, but um, it was a Sunday in February of 2000, yeah. And so you were, and you were successful uh, at that point, very successful. You had a lot of stuff going on, Nickelodeon, a, a lot of different things. I mean, you've, you've got some very unique and, and established um, uh, cartoons and, and other featured work that you've done that's really amazing. So at that point in time, you got born again. And I, and I just curious, did, um, 
what prompted that in your life? Was it just something that you were seeking after and then you were at the right place at the right time? What was the, what was the, what was the switch that flipped for you when you got born again? What did that look like? Good question. Um, you know, um, before I got born again, I was still, uh, I mean, I came out to California to be an animator. I came out in 1983, like I told you. My goal was to go to school and become a Disney animator. That was what I wanted to do. Uh, just so you know, to this day, I've never worked for Disney. I've never even worked. I've, I've been there. I've you know visited. I've been around the studio, but I've never worked there. But uh, my travels took me into the world of television because I didn't feel I was good enough to work at Disney. Back then, all Disney was doing was making animated feature films. And the cream of the crop artists worked there. At the time, I didn't believe in myself enough to go do a job like that. You know, there, you know, there's like cliques and hierarchies in every industry. Oh, that person's the best of the best. Oh, that's the best, you know, like the major league baseball. Even though you're in the major leagues, there's still the stars in the major league, right? There's still people that excel. There's the LeBron James, there's the Michael Jordan. Um, I was in the major leagues, but I didn't feel I was the best. I felt I was okay. But when I got into TV animation, uh, that's where I sort of leaned toward, because I grew up watching TV animation, like I told you. That's really where my passion was. Because with television animation, I could tell one story a week as opposed to one story every four years. Movies take about four years to make. So um, came out here to be an artist, did school, started getting jobs in the industry. And I was very competitive. If I didn't know how to do something, I'd find out. If I didn't know, I mean, I got fired from one job because I couldn't do the job correctly. And that was humiliating. So I was like, oh, man, I got to get better at this, right? So I... I learn that skill. And by the time I got my own show years later, I knew how to do everything in animation. I knew how to build a show all by myself because I worked on every piece of the show mm -hmm. up, up until then. For no me, this guy named Fred Seibert was a producer at Hanna-Barbera, which became Cartoon Network. I was working there at Hanna-Barbera in the 90s. It became Cartoon Network. Um, they started producing shows like Dexter's Laboratory, Cow and Chicken, the Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Bravo. I worked on a bunch of those shows. And then um, Fred Seibert left to go to Nickelodeon. And he said, hey, I'm doing this brand new variety cartoon series called the Oh Yeah Cartoon Show. Where if you watch the Oh Yeah Cartoon Show, you'd see three cartoons every half hour, all made by different people. So it was a big variety show. He goes, I have one slot left. Do you have anything? Uh, and this was Tuesday. I said, yep, I've got the perfect thing. I'll see you Friday. Click, hung up. I had, I had nothing. I didn't have anything. <laughs> I love it. And I'm going, oh, boy, what do I do? I'm like, oh, Just God. an opportunity. Opportunity, right? So what do you do? You say, ah, sorry, click. I could have hung up and said, I don't have anything. I'll see you in three years or whatever. But I'm like, I've got to do this. I've been working for people for about 15 years at that point. And I was so tired of losing jobs because in Hollywood, the show is made for a couple of years and it ends, you go to another show. Everyone's always jumping to different shows. Everybody does this. Movies, cartoons, whatever. So if I could just create my own show, I'd be the last one left. I'd be the last one fired if it was, you know, the, so I'm like, I'm going to come up with my own show. So I sat down and in 15 minutes, I came up with the Fairly Odd Parents, which is this show right back here, that show right there. It's fairly obvious. So um, I created that show. I thought I got to draw. I, I draw. Okay, it's a show about a little boy. I used to be a boy, little boy. I still am a boy, but I was a little boy. You know, you draw what you know. 
I drew Timmy Turner because my brother's name is Timmy. Um, I love it. And I, I was like, maybe a boy version of Cinderella, like he has a magic friend who gives him wishes. I, so I drew the fairy godmother, Wanda, but I'd never seen a fairy godfather before. So I drew this character named Cosmo. And I named him after Kramer on Seinfeld because they had just revealed that, Seinfeld, that Kramer's name was Cosmo on Seinfeld. And I'm like, that's a great name, Cosmo. So I named Cosmo. And then um, I, I he needs a villain. So how about an evil girl babysitter that comes over? I named her Vicky. And then the fairy <laughs> guy could change into little objects in his room. 15 minutes I thought of this. And I'm not even kidding. And then I took it in that Friday. And they bought it. They bought one episode at Nickelodeon. My friend Fred bought it. He goes, great, we'll make it. So I made it. And then the higher-ups at Nickelodeon, oh, the ones over Fred saw it. And they were like, we really like this. Here, give him like four or five more. So they gave me five more episodes to do. I did them pretty much by myself because I told you by that time I learned how to do all these cartoon things. I, I could do the whole episode by myself. And then um, then they finally focus tested it, which is where they put a room full of kids in a room and they show your show on a screen and they get the kids' feelings on your show. That's one of those terrifying moments of your life in Hollywood. I wonder what the kids are going to say about your show. And uh, so anyway, the kids loved it, thank goodness. And then I was able to make a series and we premiered as a series in March of 2001. And Fairly Odd Parents was the second highest rated series on Nickelodeon for years. We would we would beat SpongeBob in the ratings. SpongeBob was always number one, but we would beat it on occasion. There was a stretch there where we were just just the biggest thing on Nickelodeon, and we ran for uh, eighteen years on Nickelodeon. Wow, that's amazing! And during that time, I was able to create Danny Phantom, another show called Tough Puppy, another show called Bunsen is a Beast. So I created four shows for Nickelodeon, and Fairly Odd Parents ran the entire time. I always called that the train that kept running, and other shows would hop on and hop off. You know, they would during the mm -hmm. year. And I had to, and I had to run all these shows simultaneously um, as I was doing it. But I had a blast. It was one of the greatest times of my life. I met some amazing people, had some amazing experiences, and to this day. I have kids who were little at the time. They're grown up now. Mr. Hartman, I love your show. Uh, changed my childhood. It made. I always get this phrase, and my wife will tell you, "You made my childhood." You know, I always get that phrase, and I'm I'm so grateful when they say that. Yeah, I can tell you that's true because I got my the assistant producer in here. It was just telling before I came on. He's like, "Man, that's all I watched was fairly odd." I mean, he was like, "You got to give me five minutes with him. You got to let me talk to him." So, TJ, I'm throwing you on the bus right now, but uh, a little bit. But and it's all in fun. But seriously, he's 24 years old, and he's like, "Man, that's what I, I watched that from six to 13." Right in that perfect window. Yeah. What's his name? TJ. Yeah, TJ. TJ, thanks for watching, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's good, and I. What's funny? A lot of people, a lot of our listeners are in the the you know the age category where they probably have kids that were watching that, and so you know the, it it brings some context to it. And then your personal life, you know, you get born again, and you're still cartooning, you're still doing awesome stuff, but your life obviously changed from you know that that conversion. And so yeah. you know, as you as you kind of went into okay, I got born again. I'm sure people were like, well, I know old Butch now. There's new Butch, and there's that transition process. You know, I would love to know about, you know, kind of how um, the, the Hartman House, I know that's a, uh, your, your ministry and, and one of your ministries. And, and so tell me about after you've had a lot of success and then things start changing for you, you know, what was that like in Hollywood? And, and what have you seen God really put his fingerprints on as you've kind of walked that journey out after getting born again um, here walking with the Lord in, in Hollywood? Well, that's a great, uh, great question. You know, we started... Um like you mentioned, Hartman House, that's my foundation. We started that in 2005. Uh, we helped needy families. We uh, did some home makeovers uh, at the beginning when we first started. We help out a bunch of different charitable organizations right now. We're super proud of it. And uh, we 
started that. And then I realized that starting a foundation is a huge amount of work. It's a massive amount of work. We definitely do it. Uh, it's one of those things. We have a great staff that helps us. Uh, you know, you think I'm going to start this foundation. It's going to be awesome. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a full time job. And But you know what? God said, this is something that I'd love you to do. I'd love you to do this for me. And we're like, OK, Lord, whatever it, whatever it is you want us to do, we'll do. You know, when I was doing my cartoons at Nickelodeon, I couldn't um, put Christian references in the cartoons because they just wouldn't air them. And, and I'm, you know, you can't put Jesus in the cartoons and all that. And I understand all that. But, um, you know, I would do as many family friendly, you know, themed type of things as I could do shows about love, shows about friendship. If I could get some sort of a message in there, I would try. I mean, I really never tried to hit and make a show with a message, an important episode. Because look, kids are told what to do all day. And I just wanted to give them a fun show to watch. Hey, look, watch this show. Have a great time. There's some funny stuff in it. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we'll have fun while we're here. And then we'll move on and have a good time. But, you know, I would go to church. I went from never wanting to go to church to going to my church and being there at 530 in the morning and being an usher at my church. You know, my wife and I dove in head first because when we got saved, we had nothing to unlearn. We didn't need neither one of us grew up in a Christian home. So we just kind of were sucking up everything we could possibly tithing. What's that about? Wow. The gifts of the spirit. What's that about? What are these? Well, I wanted to know why Jesus died for me. I've heard the story kind of was never really explained well to me. But what does that mean? What's this whole thing about evolution? I don't understand that. You know, all of this. And there's a million other questions. Who is Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat? What's all that about? Jesus Christ Superstar. Why'd they make that? You know, what is all of this? And there's a million questions people have. And I went from uh, listening to my music CDs. I threw those away. And I kept putting in Bible teaching CDs back in the day when we had CD players in the car. And I would just, I basically went to school in my car back and forth to work. I did like five years of, of car school, uh, Bible school, just listening. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. That's what the Bible says. And so right. we got born again, dove in, raised our girls. We have two amazing daughters. They're one of my oldest one just got married. She's 28 years old. My youngest is 26. Is a worship leader, piano player, singer. Works at a mega church out here. Uh, my wife and I have our own church now. It's called New Branch Family Fellowship. Mm. Um, we just named it that, so the website's going up, but right now we're called Church in the Park because we do a park church every Sunday, and we're both ordained pastors now, and uh, we just love teaching the Word of God. We love it, and um, you know, you learn. it's funny, I find that when I preach the Word, I learn more than the people do <laughs> because I'm like, when you start studying something out, you're like, that's what that means. That's okay. Now I understand. That's what Paul is trying to say. And um, it's just a, it's a fascinating, fascinating journey. And I would never trade it for anything. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, when you look at, I, I just find it so fascinating that God is like, I will just use whatever's in your hand. If it's cartooning, yeah. I'll use that. I'll use whatever's in your hand. And then I will use you and I'll put you in a place where you can, you can bring the light into the darkness. And it is, it's just, it's just so fascinating. And I, I love that you stewarded the call and, and not that you left, uh, you know, entertaining people, telling stories through art. Like you didn't leave that to go do something more Christian and noble, like be a missionary somewhere you are like, which is nothing. I got nothing against missionaries. Please hear me yeah. when I say that, but I mean, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to stay right where I am, but I'm just going to, I'm going to start glorifying God with everything that I'm doing. And man, that translates to every industry. That's really powerful. 
It's awesome. So true. And we, now we've um, we've started making a brand new cartoon. And uh, when I was at Nickelodeon around 2005, we were really in the thick of things. It was really, you know, things were just starting to take off. And uh, I had this new idea for a cartoon and it was a Christian cartoon. And I knew that Nickelodeon would never make it. Not Nothing against Nickelodeon. I just knew they wouldn't make it and they weren't really making religious cartoons. Nobody was. But I had this idea and I kept just playing with it over the last 15 years. And finally, around 2021, um, I brought this cartoon out. We started making it and it's called The Garden Cartoon. I have this little uh, pin we just got. Can you guys see that? It's called The Garden Cartoon. And uh, that's Lenny the Lion and that's Lucy the Lamb. And they live and work in a miraculous garden where anything can grow. And they talk to God every day. He comes down as a rainbow and um, they call him the boss because they work for him. Hi, boss. He's like, hello, my children. Today, today is task. And uh, he gives them like a task to do. And normally they'll try their best, but they don't do it right. And then he'll have to help them get through it. And there's a brand new original song in every episode. And every episode is really funny. I try to put my fairly out sensibilities in it, make it for a younger crowd. And uh, we really, really, really had a great time making it. And we're, matter of fact, we're in the middle of making it right now. The garden, you can find it at gardencartoon.com. We have a garden cartoon app that's on the app store. And uh, we are about to sign a deal that's going to put us in millions of homes, which we're very, very excited about. So keep an eye out for it. It's, a, it's for kids three to eight. And we are just really, really excited. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you hit it. I was going to segue to it. So you and I have talked, um, you know, personally, like at, uh, at, at an event before we've talked several times about the garden and what you're doing there. And I've told you how exciting I, how excited I was with a 10 and a 13 year old, you know, growing and, and raising them up this to this point. I'm like, Hey, they've watched every veggie tales you could ever watch ever a million times. Right. And so when my daughter who at the time when we talked, I think it was eight uh, or nine, when she heard about the garden, I mean, she just zipped through all of it, loved it. Every part of it um, downloaded the app, awesome stuff. And I, and so to me, I'm really excited because for us uh, as Christians and as parents, like trying to put good content in front of them that they can enjoy. Uh, and it's biblical. It's not like suggestive. I mean, it's, it's like loving people and teaching them how the, just the basic building blocks of kingdom is, is just really amazing. And so um, the garden, if, if we, to our listeners, um, the garden app, is that the best way to get it is through the garden app? You can get it several different ways. The Garden Cartoon. In fact, type in Garden Cartoon on the App Store because there's a lot of garden apps. But the Garden Cartoon. Yeah, Garden Cartoon. You can type my name in the App Store. We also have a Garden Cartoon uh, YouTube channel. You can find us there. And uh, GardenCartoon.com is a great place to find us. We have a Garden uh, Scripture Memory Book that's out. There's a Garden Children's Bible that's out on Amazon right now, uh, published by uh, HarperCollins. We, we, we really are working very hard to get the garden out there. And like you mentioned, VeggieTales. I love VeggieTales, but VeggieTales can't be the only thing out there that does something like this. You know, VeggieTales is one of a few. Uh, we saw a real gap in the marketplace, in the Christian kids' marketplace. Like, there needs to be a high-quality cartoon that not only teaches kids the gospel, but entertains them, entertains the parents, and looks great. It's got to look as good as like, like a Disney Channel show or, Nickel or, or a Nickelodeon show. And I guarantee the garden looks just as good as any of those shows. We're very excited about it. 100%. It absolutely does. And then the Garden uh, Bible, um, we actually keep, have our church at the back of our church. We give those away. I mean, that it's awesome to little kids because it's fun. Oh, it's, it's, an, it's an adventure for them. Yeah, it's amazing. I illustrated, I illustrated that Bible. It took me two years to do that. So uh, that was a real blessing. That was, that was, I tell you, the way God has had his hand on this project all this time, it is just fascinating to watch. And, uh, you know, that's what I love about the Lord is he's always going to surprise you. 
Uh, he, he's a God of surprises, and they're always good surprises. Sometimes we get surprised in life by bad things, but those aren't the Lord. If it's bad, it's not from the Lord. If it's good, like it says in James, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. And so I'm excited about uh, the good gifts that God can give. And what we want to do is, you know, make the garden one of the biggest cartoons out there. We want to have live stage shows. And we do have a garden live show that we do. If your church or your school wants to have us come out live, we have these big character costumes of Lenny and Lucy. Kids, we do it at Christian schools. Kids go bananas. They love it. I go up and I draw the characters. Um, I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll go out and I'll draw the characters and I'll say, who wants this drawing? And once the first kid takes the first drawing, every kid wants a drawing. So then I start, I'll draw and then I'll say, who's louder, the boys or the girls? And of course, the screaming starts and everything. So I get them riled up really fast and all the teachers love it because I exhaust the kids. So the kids go back to class exhausted. And then, uh, but it's fun. Then Lenny Lucy come out at the end. We show some episodes. We give away t-shirts. So if you want us to come out, uh, just let us know. We'd love to come visit your church or your school. Well, that's awesome. And I, you know, we, we look at how much, um, you know, the, the, from a, from a kingdom standpoint, people are so hungry for good. If you look at like, you know, there's, there's the, the chosen and other entertainment has come out that's just caught on like wildfires because people are so hungry for it. Um, even like Kirk Cameron's got some amazing stuff going on. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff, TBN, CBS, like all these, all these, uh, there is definitely a push, um, and definitely a market for, um, Christian content. And so I believe that your timing is absolutely perfect. I believe that um, God has been, you know, just uniquely positioning you and Julianne to really um, just do some amazing things in this next season. And we need it. We really, really need it. And so, you know, from from us, I mean, as just a consumer, um, I just think it's amazing what you're doing. And I'm, I'm thankful to God that that he's put you there. Um, I love your testimony. I love walking through, you know, everything that you've gone through um, and how, how, how much of a blessing it is that you just took something that at such a young age that you knew uh, was what you were supposed to do. And God is using it to do just such amazing things. It's awesome. It's great. Uh, well, I'm, I'm so grateful you say all those those kind things. Thank you. But I just want to encourage everybody out there. You know, uh, the book of Habakkuk in chapter two, verse two says, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. So you have to write things down. Put your vision down. Make it a reality. One thing you do have in your hand is a pen or a pencil. It doesn't cost anything hardly. And you write, write something down. Make it a reality. Put it before your eyes. Think about it every day. Look at it. And then, the, then, then that scripture continues. It says, for the vision's for an appointed time. And it will not tarry. So your vision is for an appointed time. But it's going to be at a time when you can handle it. The Lord's never going to give you the Ferrari unless you've driven the Volkswagen first. You know what I'm talking about? You need to learn how to drive. I see all these car things. I know you're a car guy. But, uh, you know, but, you know you, you, the Lord's not going to say, hey, get in the Lamborghini. You've never driven a car before. I know you're 10 years old, but you can handle this. No, the Lord is a, is a gentle God. And he's a good God. He's never going to put on you too much or more than you can handle. See, we in the world, we try and do the instant fix. We want the we want the instant riches, the instant fix. I I can't lose weight. I've got to get the instant thing, you know, and all that stuff. You know, I've got to get all that stuff done. And um, instead of taking the process of changing your mind, getting your mind renewed, uh, that's where the real true growth comes is renewing your mind. It's like I'm going to get this done, but in the doing is where I'm going to grow. And I can't lose hope. I can't lose faith. I was just watching this. Um, documentary the other day about a guy who's in a famous band he's one of the bandmates in this famous band he said look we played in nightclubs for seven years before we got a record deal 
you know, and that's just going night after night. That's just really wanting it and going for it. But then by the time you get that record deal, you've honed your craft to a point. Mm. You can just get right in there and do it. That's what I did. I honed my craft to a point. I'm not saying I'm the best, but for me, I got to a point where I was better than I'd ever been when I finally got that uh, first big deal and was able to pull it off. So be yeah. patient with the gift God has given you and stick to that vision because it's a unique vision for you only. Yeah, it's it's true. And you know, I had a conversation and I think it was, um, it's probably a year ago and I really talked about this since, but to piggyback on what you said, you know, if you look at your career and, and, and you look at, you know, what happens at 10,000 hours, like when you've been doing something for 10,000 hours, right? You I can't, Apparently you're an expert at 10,000 hours, but what happens when you hit 20,000 hours? And what happens if you hit 30,000 hours, right? And once you've gotten to that 20 and 30,000 hour mark is when you start asking yourself and, and when you really should look at like, am I, am I a mentor? Am I a leader? Am I actually bringing people along with me? Or is this really yep. just becoming a little, a little me and, and kind of my own thing? And I think, you know, a lot of times it's very freeing when you get to that place to be able to say, you know, how can I invest in other people? How can I take what I've learned and start to invest that in others? And, and really, I think that's the opportunity is to get more seasoned is to take what you've learned. But that attrition process, that first 10,000 hours, I mean, that's a lot of hard work. And it's okay to be in that place and just stewarding a vision or stewarding really somebody else's vision like you did. I mean, you worked for, you said you worked for a lot of other people. Well, yeah, except for getting fired. Yeah, well, I did work there and I got fired. Yeah, because I wasn't good at this, this job they asked me to do. I wasn't trained for, and I thought I was, and I, I, I got fired. That's one of the biggest lessons I ever learned. But I want to say too, you know, um, being doing doing that vision that you have and sticking with it is so vital because you have to duplicate yourself. You know, Jesus duplicated himself in his disciples because Jesus could have done everything he did on his own because he's Jesus. He could have done it all, but he chose twelve guys to come along and learn his vision. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I want to do. Here's my plan. No, that's no, stop doing that. Don't do it that way. Come over here. You know, don't wait, wait, stop. No, we don't. You know, what was it? John and uh, uh, James and John wanted to kill the guys like the sons of thunder. No, we're not doing that. No, no, we don't do it that way. You know, but he's like, but here's my vision. Follow along. Cause when I'm not here anymore, you guys got to carry this off. You guys got to pull this off when I'm gone. So that's what we have to do with our vision. Cause the key word here, and I want everyone to write this down is legacy. What is your legacy that you're leaving? Are you leaving the legacy of something awesome or what could have been, you know? And listen, I'm not disparaging anybody. If it's a, if, it, if it's a, what could have been, then, Hey, at least you try. Hopefully you at least tried. If you haven't even tried, then you and I need to talk because you can at least try. And I know it's scary. And I know that there's boogeymen out there. I get it. I've been through it. I've met a lot of the boogeymen. I just dealt with some very recently, as a matter of fact. I just like, you know, you deal with these people all the time. You know, Jeff, you have a business. You deal with different things, unexpected fires every day. But that's what adults have to do. We have to grow up. And I think in our country, especially in the U.S., we have a, um, a thing called prolonged adolescence, where we try and keep people children for too long. And I think it's time for a lot of us to grow up. And I hope, I don't, I'm not trying to be harsh about that, but I mean, I really want people just to grow into those gifts that you've been, been um, you know, been set aside for. You've been, you've been, you're meant for this. You need to do this. Yeah. Amen. You know, it's funny because you talk about the, you know, the milk of the word and then the meat, right? And Paul's like, listen, you're drinking milk. And again, I just like you, I'm not trying to come across harsh, but when you start walking out the vision and the call in your life, um, you'll find that drinking milk 
is not going to sustain you. You have to make the choice to start to grow. You have to make, because you're going to end up facing adversity and then you're going to be able to really start activating your faith to say, well, God, if I believe you've called me here and I believe you've set me in this direction, then I'm going to believe you that we're going to get there. And um, you know, uh, you know, you, I don't, I think it's Andrew that says, uh, you can shoot for the stars and, but if you still hit the moon, man, that's pretty good. Right. You know, so we'll take that, you know, that's a good thing. You know, um, I, I thank the Lord. Cause when I, when I went to Cal arts at age 18, I, I didn't do it cause of God. I didn't know God at that time. I just did it cause I wanted to get out there and I, I had a burning desire. I wanted to do it. Had, had I had I been able to look at a roadmap on the wall of what all the pitfalls would be, I would have been scared to death. I never would have done it. I would have stayed home. But see, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, uh, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, faith will make you take that second step. Thank goodness, because if God, like I said, if God showed you the uh, the four thousand steps you had to take, I mean, you'd be, you wouldn't be ready for it. At age eighteen, I could never have done what I'm doing now, ever. You know, it's not just about the drawing ability. It's about the storytelling ability. It's about the ability to run a company. It's about the ability, ability to be political. Once you have a company going, then now there's a whole political um, framework of all the people in the building who, who I'm dealing with. And that's really what it comes down to, too. Learning how to be an adult in that situation. You know, I just want to sit and draw cartoons, but I can't do that as much anymore because I got to run the company. So it's like I'm running, you know, I got to be in, I had four meetings this morning that didn't involve me drawing anything, just talking about game plans and what we're doing next and, and you know, uh, wonderful people and wonderful things. But then I get to sit down and draw a superhero later on. Yo, thank goodness. I get to, I get to, draw, I get to do my next. Yeah, I can't even wait to get there. But, but listen, man, you've got to, and guys, I'm probably giving you guys too much information in such a short amount of time. I know it's a fire hose, but I just want to encourage you guys. I'm writing a brand new book, by the way. It's not out yet, but it's called Christian Creativity. And it's going to be about if you're a Christian and you're creative, what are the uh, things you can expect? What are the tools that you need? Are you even allowed to make money as a Christian creative? Are you even allowed to go into the marketplace? Because so many Christians are like, oh, money's evil. No, no, no. It's the love of money that's evil. Money is not evil. It's the way the money is used that's evil. Because if we don't have resources, we can't help anybody. You know, the fact that the fact that you have funding, I have funding, the fact that any other Christian who's built up some funding, we can help people now. We can, we can, we can make things happen. And that's the wonderful thing. It's called influence, you know. And, but the enemy wants you to think that you're being selfish. You got to get that mindset out. It's not being selfish. It's being wise. Man, I love this. The book that you're writing is so, I mean, I already shared my situation where I'm looking at a creator, creative kid going, uh, uh, and, and I'm, you know, that'll be, that's a book, certainly a book that I would read. And, and I believe it's so timely for, um, the Christian marketplace right now, because as there's the, the Christian, um, in this like real third grade awakening, you're really seeing God moving into all these different mountains. And the, the entertainment mountain is one that is just, it's just, it's, ex, it's exploding right now. And so I think your timing's perfect for it. It's amazing. And you know, one thing um, we're, before we were talking uh, on air, um, we were talking about um, Julianne and, and we didn't even get to talk about your, your story and, and your, your, your amazing wife, who's just, she's so funny. Uh, I've heard her speak several times. 
It's awesome. So I, I promise uh, to our listeners that um, I will track you guys down this summer. I'll come down and, and we'll bring our mobile rig. And I'd love to, I'd love to connect with both you guys and just, and really unpack um, not just what God's done from a, from a, um, from an industrial standpoint, just from a business standpoint, which you guys have been able to do, but really the heart behind your ministry and how you're using, you know, being in the natural uh, business, but then also, you know, how that, how that layover of ministry is happening and, and really what God's doing. It's going to be amazing. So I can't wait for that um, as well. I should say it's her story, but it's our story because when you're married, you're one flesh. And so it's uh, it's definitely our story. But I uh, I think we need more than just a few minutes to tell her story because it's, it's a powerful one. And it really drew us a lot closer to the Lord. It drew us a lot closer together as a couple. Uh, I'll tell you, man, whatever the enemy means for destruction, the Lord will turn it around for good. He'll always Amen. get glory out of it. If you allow Amen. him, he will get glory out of it. And that means, dude, you will be so blessed if you just listen to the voice of your father. But you got to know his voice first. So, Butch, with everything that you're doing, how do our listeners get a hold of your stuff? Oh, well, thanks for asking. I am everywhere, basically. I have 2 million followers on TikTok at Butch Hartman. I'm on Instagram at Butch Hartman. You can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Fairly Oddfather. Uh, you can email me at askbutchhartman.com, and you can find my new cartoon, The Garden, at gardencartoon.com. I thank you so much for your time today and just really unpacking your story and people that know you and, and understand, you know, from at least from a distance, your creative ability and just taking time to to hang out with us for for an hour and, and it's just been amazing i appreciate it well it's been my pleasure my honor everybody that's uh that's tuned in today thank you so much uh for tuning in and uh, i appreciate it man it's awesome we love bringing you just unique people that that really want to sew into your call and your purpose so thanks for joining us today on built for a purpose podcast with jeff vanderwolf